0: Hi, I'm Sharon Vollman, editorial director of ISE. Welcome to Behind the Solutions podcast. Thanks for joining us as we talk with the leaders and doers behind the telecom networks. Learn why our guests are passionate about creating innovative solutions and sometimes surprised at what they learn about themselves and others along the way. Trevor Poutrai is president of KGP Services and KGP Co. KGP Services is a leading network services provider with tailored services, including the design, engineering, construction, and maintenance of wireline and wireless networks. KGP Co. is a provider of advanced supply chain and logistics services, product sourcing, cloud engineering, and integration services to leading communications and technologies. In 2022, the KGP family took a transformational step by joining forces with Europe's largest communication network services provider, Cersei. At that time, Cersei acquired a majority stake in KGP services alongside the Petra family, the KGP founders, and the management team. In the coming weeks, KGP services will be officially rebranding to Cersei USA to leverage the global Cersei brand and the combined global network infrastructure services revenue of now $3.6 billion and over 15,000 employees. In addition, and to round out the new partnership, Cersei also became a minority shareholder in KGP Co. Clearly, you've been quite busy lately, Trevor. So how's it going?
1: It's going well. It's going as we hoped it would. It's certainly new and it's a change, but we think it was for, for the right reasons. There's a real good DNA fit between the companies and we've got a lot of work to do, but the combination really positions your KGP services uh, for the future. And that's what we're excited about.
0: It's change, right?
1: Absolutely. Which so is good. It gets us uncomfortable and it helps us um, learn. So we're learning a lot. We're teaching both ways, but I mean, we're learning a lot from from that side, and, and more than anything, we're just leveraging a new partnership and and um, you know really positioning for tomorrow, which is really what the deal was all about.
0: Great point. We got to remain relevant, right? That's right. Trevor, 2022 was a, a great year of change for you in a couple of ways. Not only did you close the partnership with Cersei, but you also lost your mom. Can you talk a minute about your mom, the impact she had on the industry, transition you and your sibs siblings and KGP have had to go through over the last year?
1: Yeah, uh, you bet. I think you and I could probably do this entire podcast just on my mom. And although she would hate it, it's uh, likely to be appropriate due to the impact she had. You know, we tell the story often, but it's, it's really hard to truly imagine the early days when my dad would leave on Sunday night, drive to Illinois Bell, sell some product, and then call back to my mom who would ship the product from the garage. And we say it a lot, but it's hard to, to really think about where the business started. And then just the foresight she had in the early 80s to launch her own company, KGP, as she saw an opportunity for diverse businesses you know, emerging well before its time. I think more than anything, she really uniquely drove the culture of our company as this tightly run professional scale business, yet with our family values at our very foundation and our core. And that's the case today, Sharon, and it will always be the case as long as we're here. I believe she was a true trailblazer, really showing other diverse business leaders what was possible. And I think that was really seen uh, at the time of her passing with, you know, across our industry, I knew she was respected, but I didn't know how respected she really was or that she was truly beloved. The, the messages and texts and phone calls we received talking about her from competitors, from customers, from suppliers, it's still really hard to fully process and, and appreciate, to be honest. You know, I was fortunate to be with her when she met with some of the biggest leaders in the industry. And this woman from small town Minnesota approached those meetings the same way she would meeting you or a small business for coffee or, you know, anybody else. She was just authentic in herself. And it ended up being very effective. And I think the coolest thing from, from my perspective is she wasn't successful because she was a woman or despite being a woman, she was successful because she was just very good. And she connected with people personally and she was sharp. She was transparent. And she did this all with this gentle ease and class and grace that uh, you know we certainly miss. So that's a little bit about her. And, and again, we could we could talk you know, for a long time about her and her impact. From a business and transition standpoint, there's really two major parts that we had and have to deal with. The first is the right plan needs to be in place to ensure the business can be moved on to other shareholders effectively and that it doesn't hurt the business financially or hinder it from serving customers. And that our focus remains where it needs to, which is on serving our customers. And of course, as you can imagine, she personally and proactively worked on that plan for well over a decade. And it's really important for other business leaders to know that I mean, she worked that plan for 10 to 15 years. And as a result, her plan, her plan was fully executed and, and in place the time she moved on, which I think is really important. And it really speaks to her leadership, the, the manner in which she transitioned in the in the class i guess she showed well doing so and how she led and managed her own transition really speaks to the person so i guess you know the best way to answer it is while well, we can never be prepared personally the business was was super well prepared since that time megan my sister who you know extremely well has moved into the to the chair role of kgp co While I spend my time, of course, on the operations across both KGP Co. and KGP services, my mom, first and foremost, and all of us have been working very closely with and mentoring Megan for years. Megan is sharp. She's incredibly personable, as you know, Mm -hmm. ironically, with many of the same qualities my mom had. Megan spends 100% of her time on KGP Co. and leading that business, along with her four kids, uh, of course which while thinking about it here, you know, also mirrors my mom's early years as well. You know, having a big job and being a great mom all at the same time, it's probably a lesson many of us men can learn from. Uh, Megan is, I would tell you, fully engaged in the role. She's done a very nice job stepping into our mom's shoes. You know, things that are most important to her are uh, ensuring our core values remain infused in everything we do. She loves our brand passionate about promoting it with our customers and she works very closely with me and the other leaders of KGP Co to really continue our mom and dad's legacy. And while she's chair and leader of KGP Co now, we're all quite proud of how she has stepped in as our mom envisioned and planned. And you know, on we go, full speed ahead.
0: So now let's go back and let's yep. talk about Trevor as a person. I love when I go to your LinkedIn and the first thing you say is I'm a girl, dad, I'm an Ironman finisher and a very big hockey fan. You have two daughters and then you list president of KGP. So my question is how did those things all intersect? And if you can choose one word that describes you.
1: Great question. Ambitious is probably an appropriate word for all those things. Whether it's trying to raise our daughters the right way and prepare for tomorrow, or you know, taking my body to physical limits and my fitness, or just trying to you know grow the company and be a strong leader, I think just in general, just uh, try to be as ambitious as I can and do new and exciting
0: things. Tell me a little bit about motivation. So you're you're ambitious, but yeah. how do you motivate yourself every single morning to get up and do what you do with that ambition?
1: You know, I really try to put big things on the calendar every year and then try to talk about them a lot. So I almost hold myself accountable, whether that's, you know, from a business standpoint or from a personal standpoint. So from a personal standpoint, putting a race on the calendar at the beginning of the year is, you know, is real important. So there's a date, there's something I'm driving to, have to get up, do all the little things along the way to meet that goal, you know, same thing in business. Uh, So I think that for me sharing that sense of accomplishment every day, I think that's what drives me personally the most, whether it's you know leaving the world, the company, my family, you know, a friend, my body, my fitness, a little better than I found it each and every day, and and you know if you do that enough days in a row, and tend to make some change. So I think that's that's what kind of drives me each day.
0: All of these relate to challenges. I mean, leading a business as you have since nineteen ninety eight,
1: right? Joined in ninety eight. Yes, somewhere that transition happened between you know ninety eight and picked a date.
0: Trevor, let's move on and talk about grit. What's the hardest challenge you've had to overcome in your life and why?
1: You know, I'll go back to what we were just talking about a little bit, hockey and college hockey and, you know, Ohio State. I mean, certainly there's business challenges. There's a lot of them, situations we get ourselves to by taking risk. And, you know, there's a lot of those, you know, I could certainly talk about, but, you know, college hockey for me was real difficult. Personally, I started at Colorado College We were, you know, three-time back-to-back-to-back WCHA champions. We were really, really good. I came in as a freshman. You know, I had an ambition to play. I shouldn't have played. I didn't play, you know, of course on the team, but we were, you know, I hadn't lost many defensemen. We were really good. That next year, I came back with, with, you know, motivated to play, and I didn't get a shot right away, and, and I decided to transfer. So I transferred to Ohio State, and I had to sit out a year at that time when he transferred. So first, you know, I'm on the team, but just could practice every day. I became eligible, you know, for, you know, a variety of reasons, you know, I, I I didn't get that shot right away and it was real difficult. You know, it's tough to be on the team, you know, look to as one of the leaders of the team and then just not getting the opportunity tell my daughters all the time. I cried myself to sleep more nights than I can imagine just for that desire and wanting to play. And. And, um, it just kind of drove me more. I worked even harder, worked even harder in the summer, you know came back kind of same challenges, some personality stuff. The most I played was at the end of my career, which tells me I never gave up you know sticking in and then we went to the Frozen Four that year, you know we became a really good team, and it was fun to be part of two teams that went to Frozen Fours. But it, you know, it was difficult. It was difficult, but it taught me a ton of lessons that I still use today for business. And I wouldn't change what I went through, you know, one bit. It was really good for me to face that adversity and figure out how I'd respond to it.
0: That's a great way to say it. Your parents obviously started in telecom in the mid 70s and before you were born, right? And Dale and Kathleen started a rep firm and became Great Lakes Telephone, then KGP, and obviously into KGP Co. What were your first memories, little Trevor, of your parents working together?
1: First memories are coming into this building. Looked a little different, of course, but coming into this building and you know interfacing with the employees, and then uh, always coming into my mom and dad's office. And their office changed a few times when they were here, but always in the same office. And their desks, you know, two three feet apart. And that's just how it was. So I was always coming in, of course, for personal reasons before I can remember or, or calling the office and asking for, you know, normally I was asking for mom and sometimes I'd get dad <laughs> or vice versa, depending on who was at their desk. But I just remember, you know, just burned in our memories is just those two side by side, desk side by side, decade after decade. Trevor,
0: let's talk a bit about optimism. It's said that many founders have this perennial optimism that things are going to work out for their company. Did your parents have this? And do you have an unshakable optimism, or is it important to feel doubt at times? Tell me a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I, I do remember my parents having that. I think they have had optimism, but they also had perspective. The dinner table didn't become the business table. They would. You know, have certain conversations, but that you know it wouldn't dominate our table, or it would just dominate everything, uh, you know, you know, for our lives. But I remember I was I was young. We were going to Jamaica. They lost a major contract, which was you know at their size at the time. This would have been early 80s. You know, inflation was ramping, was high. And I remember they just said, you know, we're going, we're going anyways. We're going. You know, we planned this as a family. We're going to go. And I think it was a huge risk at the time because they didn't have a lot of the resources just to even take a vacation, but. I think they had trust in the people of KGP and their values more than anything in that. Not that it would just work out on its own, but just keep things in perspective and just trust the process. I think I'm optimistic, but maybe a little bit in a different way. I I like focusing on what's possible, almost that anything's possible. You know, people call it a miracle mindset in a way. And just that if you set your mind to something and, you know, you trust the process and, you know, work hard that, you know, there, there are really no limits. And if somebody else can do it, you know, why not us? Why not me? So at the same time, your question on doubt, I think I'm perpetually paranoid, probably paid to be paranoid as leaders to some extent. And I think that paranoia leads to doubt. But, you know, more times than not, I think the doubt probably leads for me to action. Mm -hmm. And then that eventually leads to, you know, whether it's growth or learning or just, you know, being better. So I think it's all weaved together, but definitely both.
0: I love the way you answered that. And when I looked at your company and I'm gathering family values, I loved the, the statement, question things, take action.
1: Yeah, it's an important part of, our, of who we are. It really is. Uh, never rest on where we're at or who we are and be able to challenge ourselves and put our ego aside and try to figure out if there's a better way.
0: So let's go back to little Trevor. Yeah. And did, <laughs> did little Trevor coming into mom and dad's office with their desks that close apart and seeing the growth over time, did you think it would work out like this? Did you think you'd make such an impact on the business? Or did you want to play hockey for your whole life?
1: <laughs> I <laughs> took my God-given ability as far as I could learn, and that <laughs> wasn't far enough. <laughs> you know, I probably wouldn't have thought about it quite in that way. And I try not to, as I think about it, I don't want to almost cap my or our potential by what I can or can't imagine at, at the time. So I think back then I would have thought about, Hey, how far can I go personally? Or how far can we take the business? I probably never would have thought that we'd be where we are today, but that's by design with just not, you know, not thinking about it, but instead let effort and, you know, the ability to lead a team and put people together, uh, you know, determine what that future looks like. So certainly at the beginning, any start or journey, none of us are experts right? And I think the secret for me, whether it was, you know, the my, my career or, you know, what we're trying to accomplish at KGP or getting up on a Sunday morning and having a hundred mile bike ride ahead of me, the secret for me is just to start. And I say it to my kids all the time, just begin. And, you know, if I'm sitting in the driveway thinking about a long bike and, you know, I'm going to be at this for six hours or whatever it is, just take the first pedal and just go. And I'm a huge fan of the 1% Better Everyday concept and just start making progress and be dogmatic about it steady. And then hopefully you can look back one day and say, wow, we've, we've done okay.
0: That's so cool. Let's move on to a bit of family and the family business thing. I titled this question, Following the Path. You moved up the ranks from operations manager to VP and ultimately president. Tell me how that came to be.
1: You know, I think a couple of reasons here. I think uh, one, you know, they didn't want my job. As I say that tongue in cheek, but I, I honestly think that's true. But number one, timing was a real issue. My oldest brother started was the first employee, you know, of the business with, you know, with my mom and dad. My middle two brothers started early 80s. My mom was our brand. She led our vision. She spent time with our customers and our team. And then my dad was really the operational strength and was very much in his prime when they joined the business and when they started. And they were just taught, no matter what, you're at your desk, you're answering your phones, you're taking care of you know, our customers. And that's where you were. So my path was different. I went to college specifically for operations management and business. You know, when I started in 98, my dad was like 71 years old. So, uh, and I was able to you know, live that value you just talked about and challenge the status quo, but frankly, because I didn't know any better. I, mean, <laughs> I remember I walked into his office one day after a month end and I said, hey, I'd like the P&L so I can see how we're doing. And he just said, nobody sees our P&L. Your mother and I and our CPA. And I said, well, I need to see how we're doing. And I remember he, he opened his desk drawer, staring at me the whole time and just slowly grabbed the monthly P&L and handed it to me with a scowl on his face. So I think it just became, as, as he grew older, I naturally became much more involved operationally and then just kind of evolved into the role with help from him and, and so many others, and then I think second sharing is where we're probably a little unique is, you know, I use a sports team analogy. My siblings, my brothers and I, my sister, we, we all know our roles. We know where our contribution makes the most impact for the team. And then most importantly, we accept those roles. So a lineman's not trying to play defensive back and the quarterbacks, not trying to you know be the wide receiver. We all understand where we fit. We accept that and we just go out and try to do the best we can do.
0: That's a great way to say it. So let's go on to game-changing ideas, Sheriff. Uh, there's been a time when just a spark came to you, and you realized it was totally game-changing, and you were able to act on it. And if it changed you, and if it changed KGP Co.
1: Yeah, I think the big one for us was, um, you know, we had partnered with North Supply to win a large Bell South supply chain business in 2005 so we knew the company extremely well and we had heard that Sprint was looking to spin off North Supply so and the Embark and Century Tell transition was going on it became you know it, you know, Embark and you know, Embark Logistics and um, they were three times our size they were the you know, behemoth we were just the small company that was just kind of getting nibbles on the edges you know with them and we had partnered in a couple of their warehouses um, on some business cases, but we were always the the small guy. They were always the big guy. But and we think we heard late in the process that they um, that they were going to spin off their logistics company. And you know, I just decided to pick up the telephone and call the the CFO of, of uh, Embark, and I left a message. And the next day, uh, the treasurer called. He was in our offices in Minnesota the next day. My mom, of course, hosted a dinner at the house, like she was so awesome at. And, um, that night I knew we could buy the company and I knew it would change us forever because it took this entrepreneurial company, very focused on the customer with this passion of our values. And it gave us scale and we had the rest. And, you know, I remember the day we, we signed my, my mom, my dad, my brothers and sisters were, we were all in one office. And I said, you know, are we sure we want to do this? It was emotional. It was, uh, It's a big deal for us because we knew it wouldn't be the same business. But uh, thank goodness we did it. It It was a turning point in our business.
0: That's a super cool story. Trevor, this naturally brings up the next question about transformation. Talk about your next chapter with Cersei. What drove you and the family to do it? And explain some of the emotions behind it.
1: KGP Co., we've scaled market leader. You know, we, we wake up every day and make sure we're, we're taking the best care of our business that we can take. KGP Services, which will eventually be branded Cersei USA, okay. that's a business we we're trying to grow, and we were trying to kind of run that same play and make sure that it was relevant and that you know we brought the right scale to the market. And we we're you know in conversations to to purchase companies, and it led to a conversation with Cersei because they've been trying to enter the market. So we've met with their investment bank and after they asked if we would take a call with this company from Europe and said, okay, we'll we'll take a phone call. But it just immediately felt felt good. There was clear DNA and culture fit. We immediately appreciated their model and it just became really clear that the best way for us to grow the services business was to actually join forces with Cersei. And it was always about the business and the continued relevance and how to best position the, you know, for the future, it wasn't about something we were trying to, we didn't run a process. We didn't put a book together. Mm-hmm. We were trying to buy a business and we, we ended up accepting an investment in the business because we really thought that was the best way to, you know, to grow the business. And it was just it became super clear that there was a strategic advantage to having that connection, uh, you know, with them and utilizing their skill and expertise from a company that had already done it in services that became the, the dominant market leader in Europe you know, to the numbers you said. It just became clear that that's the best way for us to grow the business. So yes, they did. They made a majority investment in our services business. And then during the process, what became clear to them was, hey, there's a real strategic fit between KGP Co and KGP services. And they recognize that end-to-end value we offer that nobody else offers. And they, you know, they asked them to be a minority partner, make a minority investment. And we really liked the elegance and equilibrium it brought to the partnership. And and How it best positioned both companies for the future because it opens Europe uh, to our product business and the KG Pico in, in, in different ways. So it was always about what was next for us, and that became clear that was the best way. The emotional side you ask about, yes, of course, their emotions evolved. I would say for decades, you know, Kathy Petra was our only shareholder of the business, and um, until Cersei it was only our family. And when you sit back and you say, hey, Mom and dad started this thing from a garage, you know, literally from a garage and my birth announcement was in a splice case. And you go back to our history (laughs) and you just say, yes, there's a course and emotional tug. But Sharon, what I tell you is as we've grown through the years, one thing that's became real clear is our business stopped being about one family during that transition. Our family alone doesn't have the skills and expertise and knowledge and experience to do what we've done and want to do. And it just became really clear that the business is about hundreds, thousands of families, all the hard yeah. work that they've done and their expertise and skills and efforts. And I think it would almost would have been irresponsible for us to only look out for, you know, one family, just so we can say, oh, it's the Petros family business. And on top of that, it wouldn't be the right thing for our customers and, you know, and us. So yes, emotions, but never a doubt that this was the right thing. And I know my parents would support it because it ensures we believe that their legacy is positioned for the future and and their values that they built into this business, one of which you read, they're they're fundamental to who we are. The foundation that we'll always build upon. It's what they taught us. We just have more shareholders today than just, you know, one family, and it makes us a more effective company.
0: Very well explained. But with the big companies come big revenues, of course, and kind of some sleeplessness, or maybe not. So yeah. what wakes you up at night and
1: why? If I work out, nothing will wake me up at night. <laughs> but, uh, if I don't, everything. Uh, right? you know, I think like not taking great care of our customers. You know, We're not a perfect company. So when we slip, making sure that we continue to pride ourselves on, on our recovery. And that's what you know, we take a lot of pride in that, that when something doesn't go right, that we make sure that we care as much as our customers care about making it right. And then just not anticipating what's next and not, you know, and and getting behind and just not being out front in this world that's changing so, so much in our industry that's changing so much. I think those are the things, just making sure we continue to challenge ourselves to learn and and try to anticipate what's coming.
0: Very cool. Let's talk about trust in our last few minutes together. Some of us, you know, process problems independently and, and maybe not even talk to anybody one we're processing and trying to create solutions to them. Other people need to talk to process those problems. My question is, is, is your process a solo one? Or do you talk to um, a trusted person or persons? And who is that? And how do you decide to let them in? Good question.
1: It depends on the situation, you know, for me personally, and whose experience I value the most in a situation like that, or, you know, the subject, it certainly could be a colleague, somebody on the executive team or or not. Um, it could be my wife, it could be a friend, a business associate that I may not have a you know great friendship with, just as you know, that I know has been through something like this. Mm-hmm. Could just be me sitting down reflecting or saying a prayer or just quiet time. And I think it's just kind of a gut decision at the time and just looking around and seeing whose opinion kind of makes sense on the subject.
0: Very good point. Talk about a recent failure that made you better.
1: What I would tell you is we are constantly swinging the bat, and you know we talk about that here, and that it's okay for us to fail. You know we have to fail fast so we Mm -hmm. learn and we don't hurt the business. And you know in the meantime we have to manage the level of the failure, make sure we can you know anticipate the impact it would have, and we're not always going to be successful, but we're going to try. And we really talk about that a lot. We're going to push the envelope. We're going to figure out where our threshold is. We believe that fitness or life or business, you know, you kind of get to that threshold and that's where you can make your your performance gains. We're not afraid to fail, Sharon. We just want to make sure we we do it quickly and we can course correct quickly and that we can uh, get back on the right track and not fail too often.
0: Our little team uses that very thing as well. What sets you apart from other leaders and what do you recommend to those who want to be a Trevor when they grow up?
1: (laughs) I don't compare myself to other leaders. You know, my job is, or my goal is to continue to keep learning and grow as a leader. And I think if I can just, they say, stare naked at your inadequacies, right? Understand my, my weaknesses, our company weaknesses, and just continue to learn and maintain that growth mindset, whether it's being a husband or a dad or a business leader, or whatever that is, and not rest on where, you know, we are or I am today. You know, I would tell you that that's what, you know, I really try to do. And even in in, in our new relationship, you know, with Cersei, is learn everything we can from them because they've done it at scale and services. So that's why we're partnering with them to grow the business and you know taking all those ideas and trying to apply them to you know to what we do. Advice to others, I would say appreciate the journey while you're getting to where you're going. Never ever ever be satisfied with the status quo or your current performance. And then for even from an individual standpoint and from a company standpoint, lead with the value you can bring to something, lead with value creation. And that word relevance, I think, is super important in today's world. And I think if you do that, the rest kind of takes care of itself.
0: Beautiful. And then my last question is kind of words of wisdom. We all heard our parents give us their words of wisdom. And I find myself, even with kids at age 30, saying things that come out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm my mother. I say Mm -hmm. these words of wisdom. And ours is, mine is, what goes around comes around. So what's yours?
1: Well, consistently here, take great care of the customer. That's, you know, my father. What I say to my daughters that was said to me many times is be nice to your sister. <laughs> so, and that was inside and outside this building. So I I, I do hear myself saying that and I just kind of chuckle, but I do think we become our parents and thank goodness I had great parents that were great role models for us.
0: Oh, Trevor, that's so wonderful. I can't thank you enough for spending time with ISC and Behind the Solutions. I hope to talk to you again in the future and share with our audience.
1: Congrats on the podcast. Thank Um, you very much. It's awesome what you guys do and uh, the service you provide the industry and keeping us all current. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you and, and our friendship. So thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for spending time with us today. Learn about the interesting leaders and doers we'll be interviewing in the future by visiting isemag.com and clicking on podcast. Until next time, stay passionate about learning and be good to your teams.